0: remind everyone this morning that any reference to walls in this teaching comes from our first reading from holy scripture i am not making any direct or indirect comments on walls during current politics so now that we've made that very clear let's move forward with the word and the proclamation of the word of god The books of Ezra and Nehemiah are incredible books and they're often overlooked. They describe a key moment in Israelite history when the exiles were slowly coming home from Babylon and seeking to reestablish their lives. This is a heartbreaking scene in the Bible when Nehemiah describes the ruin of what was once a magnificent city. So Ezra the priest was a descendant of those Israelites that were carried away into exile by the Babylonians in 587 B.C. So for a hundred years Jews have worked and lived in Babylon gradually cut off from their traditions and uh, history rituals stories and worship. Some people like him tried to keep these traditions alive but most Jews in time had forgotten and become assimilated to the surrounding culture. So finally, the king of Babylon gave Ezra, Nehemiah, and their companions permission to come home. So they returned home to Jerusalem, their capital city, and what they found broke their hearts. They found Jerusalem, the once great capital, in ruins. Its walls knocked down, the great temple destroyed. The walls of this city had been compromised. So in the ancient world, even up to modern times, a wall was essential to the health of the city. And if the wall was breached, then the city would lay open to invaders and the economic and political life were up for grabs. So Nehemiah led a campaign of rebuilding and Ezra the priest endeavored to re-educate, to disciple the people who had grown ignorant of their history, traditions, rituals, and practices. So Ezra's heart had been broken by this terrible falling away that occurred and the people of God forgot who they were, their religious identity. So this is the context of our first reading. And don't you think Dan did a great job reading all those difficult words? I'm just glad it wasn't me. So a city that was was simple, porous, and um, penetrable from any and all influences from the outside was really no longer a healthy and secure city so therefore when nehemiah comes back and he sees the disastrous situation his first move was to give the order to rebuild the walls to reestablish the central life of jerusalem and therefore to israel So then, with the help of Ezra, who was a priest, he sought to rebuild the people morally, spiritually, and intellectually. So how did he do it? Well, he recovered a copy of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, also called the Pentateuch, and made sure that the people listened to it in in its entirety. So men, women, and children all day from early morning. Did you hear that? Early morning until midday. And listen to the word being read. Now, if you think we have long passages to listen to, or the readings of the Easter Vigil, are uh, our readings are very short in comparison to this. So they stood for six hours and they listened to the whole Torah as it was being read to them. Now, with these two moves, one being mostly political by rebuilding the walls and the other spiritual by reading the Torah, Ezra and Nehemiah built up, encouraged, and reminded the people of Israel of their identity and their mission, who they were as a people and their calling. So Israel had long recognized its mission in the world to bring the God of Israel to all the nations. However, no one gives what they do not have. They needed to be re-educated in the laws, the precepts, the stories, the rituals, the practices, and the identity as the people of God. It's very interesting that today is our annual parish meeting. And whenever I first came as your rector, um, I uh, at the annual meeting I shared and gave a vision for the next year because I was new to the church parish and therefore I didn't have a lot to talk about from the previous year we just that just ended. So I was always talked about the future and and the year that was to come. And as I was working on this uh, sermon and, and 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 praying about how to. You know what to talk about or what scriptures to use. When I actually looked at our lectionary readings, these were the passages, and I chose to leave them untouched because this really is a very foundational teaching, and very um, it, it corresponds greatly to the things I'd like to talk about it um, when we go into the our parish meeting in the parish hall. Uh, and so, it, it it really is foundational. It's calling us back to our ancient spiritual practices and lean into our great tradition as the Anglicans being word and sacramental people. But you'll hear more about that as we move forward. They were so moved that they raised their hands in the air and they said, amen, amen. They bowed to the ground and they wept. Hearing these stories, they were rediscovering who they were, rediscovering their deepest identity as the people in relation to God. So how are we doing today regarding this? Do we know who we are, our identity in God? Do we know the great stories, the laws and practices and rituals that define us as a people? Have we drifted into our own kind of Babylonian exile? Have we assimilated ourselves to the surrounding secular world around us? Because if we lose our identity as the people of God, we will find our identity in other things like sexuality, Friendships, work, experiences, lusts and passions, gifts, mistakes or failures, or even successes for that matter, and the list goes on and on. Who will tell us who we are? If we do not let God tell us based on his word and practices of the worshiping community, the television will, or movies, or podcasts, or the media, or popular music, and on and on and on, or professors at the university etc. Ezra found a whole generation of people who didn't know who they were, didn't know the stories, the practices and rituals, didn't know their identity as the people of God. Ezra gathers them in together and he tells them. So if Israel lost its way, if its walls were breached, if it lost its identity and integrity, it couldn't be a sign of God, an instrument of the kingdom of God to the world. So how do we know what it means to be an American? We hear the great stories of American history, the accounts of George Washington, Ben Franklin, and Abraham Lincoln, and on. We hear stories of the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. We hear of the great world wars of the 20th century and the Great Depression. We hear the stories of our country. If we stop hearing these stories, we will forget who we are. This happens in the initial rituals of primal people. When a young person is taken away from his home, and usually in the company of leaders of the tribe, they are told the stories. They discover who they are, to whom they belong, by hearing again the stories of their people. Now the same is true of our ethnic and family identities, where we came from, our stories, songs, food, books, art, poems. It is also true of our denominational affiliation in the body of Christ. If one cares, they will want to understand the stories, which often includes the bad and the good, the weaknesses and the strengths, so they understand the story of our identity in this particular family and the larger body of Christ. One of my concerns in the last two decades of the Western Anglican Church, and by the way, in all mainline denominations, is that the walls were becoming so porous And the story is so poorly and wrongly told, and therefore no longer believed, that a lot of people forgot what it meant to be Anglican, and most importantly, what it meant to be a Christian. Over the last couple of decades, some church denominations, even a couple provinces in the Anglican Communion, unfortunately changed their doctrine to match the ever-changing morals and values of the world, and this led to porous and penetrable walls. As a result, many lost their identity, lost the gospel, lost what it meant to follow Jesus who is king and left the church or went to other churches that actually believe the gospel in the Bible. It led some Anglicans, which we identify, to realign with other parts of the Anglican communion that remained firmly orthodox, believing and living the faith as it has been passed down through the apostles. The Anglican Church in North America are gathered under the umbrella of the fastest-growing Orthodox Anglican provinces in the world in the Global South and the Southern Cone. They aren't perfect people, by no means, and nor will anyone find a perfect group out there anywhere. But it is our intention to keep the Orthodox faith, the teachings of the apostles, intact. The church is the new Israel, and therefore our identity is tied up with the great stories and histories of Israel, the biblical narrative. The same stories that Ezra read thousands of years ago is our story, and by reading and embodying the story, this is how we discover who we are so that we can live as a light to the world. We are all for listening and loving well. I talk about that often. And when you hear me talk about evangelism and mission, I always share it in the context of love and listening. Because I think that is foundational. It is fundamental to reaching the world around us. We are all for treating people with dignity and opening our homes and lives with hospitality, in which I would like to talk more about this coming year. And speaking and acting in ways consistent to Jesus Christ. However, we can lower our walls so much that we can be compromised. Certain parts of the walls were flattened and there was no way to distinguish between Christians and non-Christians. The Bible makes it very clear that there is a salt and light difference. Bishop Todd Hunter says God stays connected to his broken creation while remaining completely the other. We are called to patterns of life and ministry based on the divine model. End of quote. I don't know about you, but I think this is profound. Let me explain. God stays connected to his broken creation because he is a God of love and incarnation. But he remains completely the other, holy, separated, not like them. So nonetheless, he enters their world. This is incarnational ministry. We're called to patterns of life and ministry based on this model. In other words, we are called as Christians to do the same thing. We are to enter into this broken creation, but remaining the other, holy, separate, not taking on their way of life. So we need to attend to the signs of the times. It it would be absolutely ridiculous if we didn't. To be good missionaries, we need to understand the signs and the times, the ever-changing world around us. But it doesn't mean that we surrender to the times. Yes, we must read those signs and see which are congruent and which ones are incongruent with the full counsel of God's word. In other words, yes, open the windows, but do not tear down the walls. Think of Israel in our Old Testament passage. It had to maintain integrity in this story, and their story, embed themselves in the biblical narrative so it could be a sign to the nations. The modern culture is just like any other culture up and down the ages. It has some degree in line with the gospel and mostly incongruent with it. We should not allow the culture to be the norm of the church, but just the opposite. Unless we know who we are and know the biblical story and live under the rule and the the reign of the king and his kingdom, we will not have a properly transformative influence in the world in which we live today. So walls are important. But ultimate per- the purpose of the church is not to hunker down behind those walls. The ultimate purpose is to be light and life out of those walls. Let's look at Noah's Ark as an example. The minute he was able, Noah let the life that he preserved out. This is the rhythm that I am talking about here. If the walls of Noah's Ark had been porous... If they had been compromised and breached in some way, the ark would have sunk and with it all of life on it. Walls are important. Identity is essential. We will only find who we are in God through Jesus as he breathes on his word by the Holy Spirit. Integrity is important. However, life was not meant to stay on Noah's ark. It was meant to, be, to have an impact on the world. Walls are important and so are windows and bridges. And it is the rhythm between the two that is central to the health of the church. It is the job of the church to tell the world that it is the world. Not to become or to take on the ways in the life of the world. And I don't mean that in some arrogant, judgmental, pompous way. That is not what I'm talking about. But it's speaking the truth in love. Christians live an alternative story. We must embody through words and lifestyle this story and call others to be swept up into it. We incarnationally enter this world because God loves the world while remaining the other, holy, separated, not like it. We don't become angry at the world because the world is living by a different story. But I must confess this week in the news and what's happened in New York, I became very angry. I'm sure some of you have become very angry. What does this mean? How am I to act? What am I to say? As the story made me nauseous and sick to my stomach like it probably did many of you? But what do we do? How do we act? What do we say? How do we live? We enter into the brokenness of this world. And by love with an uncompromising, prophetic voice through lifestyle and words and body and alternative culture. We love the world. We are to love God. We are to live by the ways of God. Not to compromise who we are, our identity, our calling. But we're to love the world. We're to enter into its brokenness. But we're not to become like it. The problem is, for too long, the world's seen a bunch of angry religious people. That's not what I'm talking about here today. We need to repent of our angry religiousness. But we need to be able to be a people that can still speak the truth in love. Be uncompromising, but loving. How does that work? I'm not real sure. But let's try. I think Jesus does. If we look at the ways that Jesus lived, there's a lot for us to learn from. There's a lot more I'd like to say about that. But for the sake of time, I have to come back and and look at that more later. The sacraments ground us in Christ, tell a story, embody us in it. Mark us as Christ's own forever and feeds us with himself. Sacraments, the reality of God, change our story. We are being swept up in God's way of life, and God is using us to invite others to do the same. So near the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, he visits his hometown in Nazareth. In the words of Isaiah, he states and claims his identity, purpose, and mission. Jesus in the synagogue stood up and he read the prophet Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is his identity, purpose, and mission, and it is to be ours as well. May this be true of us in 2019 and forever. As Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. I'd like to read it from the Message Bible. Please hear, hear this. I know this is a lot of information this morning, but try to, to grasp this. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulously moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Jesus Christ, but I entered into the world and tried to experience things from their point of view. That doesn't mean compromise. But I've become just about every sort of servant there is in attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. With this in mind, remember the words of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. In 2019, may it be our goal and mission to love God and others as ourselves, to make disciples of all people. This is why we have to give an account when we stand before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So why not do it? With the full and complete support of our bishop, the mandate of Jesus Christ, the purpose of the biblical story, a clear statement of who I am, and the reason that I was hired as rector at All Saints, I'm committed to this story. I believe it is the desire of All Saints Cathedral to move forward in this direction. And God's people said,